the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program have been pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. And welcome in to a spectacularly beautiful Monday in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm Kathy the Emmons, not from the Word FM studios like I normally am. Instead, still at home with a little COVID situation. But we have a terrific show lined up for the next two hours. So happy to have you along. So whether you are like stuck in your house because of a COVID situation, or maybe you played hooky today because the weather is just that awesome, or maybe you're right in the middle of all your work stuff and are looking forward to a nice long drive home, then we will be your companions up until 6 o'clock tonight. I've got Christy Stockdale back in uh, 7 Parkway Center, keeping all the trains running on time. Christy, how are you today? Uh, I'm great. Thanks, Kath. Well, oh, great. Gra- I like that attitude. You Thanks. weren't even like average. You were like ready to go. I, I actually wasn't ready to go, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you are now that I've called upon you yes. at 50,000 watts. Yes, that I am. Gets a, that gets a person ready, doesn't it? It does. Anyway, uh, John Hall not taking a day off, but for some reason is unable to join us, uh, technologically speaking. Perhaps Zoom has banned him. Do you think this has to do with Elon Musk trying to uh, buy Twitter? Do you think that perhaps this is like one of the one of his early volleys into like keeping the, the, the workplace clean and pure? Is it John Hall's banned? You don't think so? Okay. All right, we're looking into it. Anyway, hopefully John Hall will join us shortly um, from his home, and he'll talk about the very unusual day that he had today. Um, anyway, let me tell you about some things that are coming up on today's program. In the 5 o'clock hour, around 5.35 today, we're going to talk about an interesting report from Religion News Service um, called An Awakening is Coming. To American religion. So those of us who, I don't know, hang out and, you know, maybe go to church semi-regularly, call ourselves um, Christians or Jews or whatever, would be like in the religion mainstream. Um, this is kind of a, a um, an interesting prediction of what we can be looking for uh, in the next few years in America. That's from Religion News Service. Coming up at 535, um, we'll also be talking about how America's youth lost its religion back in the 90s. Um, sociologist Ryan Burge says that we're living in the aftermath of one of the most dramatic demographic shifts in American history. So I very much look forward to that. Also, news comes today that a huge percentage, a shockingly large percentage of Pittsburgh hospital workers thinking of leaving the profession, all that we're going to jam into the five o'clock hour. Plus, of course, does this make sense? And coming up in this hour, we'll um, we'll talk about how an unknown high school football coach has somehow landed in the center of a Supreme Court religious liberty case. But Christy, before we do any of that, I think it's time for the top four at four. So would you hit that music for us? That sounded very energetic. 
It's April 25th, 2022. You've already heard that U.S. Secretary of State Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin sneaked into Kiev over the weekend, which was the highest level visit by U.S. officials since the start of the war. And I already mentioned that Twitter reportedly close to a deal with Elon Musk. But I have four other things of interest for you. So let's start with number one. Poland's public school system is struggling to cope with an unprecedented influx of refugee children from Ukraine. Pardon me. Roughly 100,000, yes, 100,000 Ukrainian refugee children have arrived in Warsaw in only a matter of weeks. Some schools are running out of tables and chairs. Local officials say they would need to build, are you ready for this, 2,000 new schools to fully accommodate all the new students they have. An estimated half million additional Ukrainian kids are living in Poland, but not yet enrolled. Of course, their parents thinking that perhaps they'd be going back to Ukraine. So we'll kind of see how those numbers um, unfold over the next weeks. Number two, the world's oldest verified living person, Kane Tanaka of Japan, has died at age 119. Ms. Tanaka, born January 2, 1903, before the Wright brothers flew the first powered airplane, in case you're keeping track. She was the seventh of nine children of a farmer, married her cousin at the age of 19. Later in life, she and her husband both became Christians, traveled to the U.S. to celebrate their gold wedding anniversary, and went to Disneyland. Ms. Tanaka was the oldest person ever to have lived in Japan. The oldest person in world history whose age was confirmed by verified records was Jean-Louise Calment of France, who died in 1997 at age 122. Number three. A new study from researchers in Finland published today found that we can reduce the potential for global warming by 80%. 80% if we commit to eating cell-based cultured meat microalgae and milk produced in a tank from cow mammary glands that sounds like the worst idea i've heard of also the earth would benefit if we ate a regular insect meal you might remember in the bible john the baptist ate locusts and wild honey well many cultures apparently still do eat insects though not this one uh though uh people tell me that it's an excellent source of protein and healthy fat but still disgusting Anyway, um, if that's not appealing to you, you might consider spirulina, which is a blue-green algae powder that's vitamin-rich. That sounds delicious, right? What are you going to have tonight? I'm going to have some blue-green algae powder. I love that. Um, also, mushroom meat, which is actually made from a fungus, or kelp, which you might eat in burger or jerky pork. How about kelp jerky? That sounds terrible. Like if you're going on a road trip, you're going to stop and get some kelp jerky. Anyway, it seems the only good news of the study is that diets which simply cut down on actual meat and dairy were almost as climate friendly. So how about we all stick with that? Anyway, number four, the 1952 classic Singing in the Rain starring East Liberty native Gene Kelly gets a home video upgrade with the April 26th, 70th anniversary re-release of the film in 4K Ultra HD. That includes the film on Blu-ray and a code to acquire the film digitally for a bargain price of only $33.99. Anyway, this release doesn't have new features. It does re- include some previously released commentary. But Gene Kelly's widow, Patricia Ward Kelly, said a lot of time, money, and effort has gone into the restoration, and we should check it out. And that is your top four at four. Very nice. Hey, Kath, uh, this is John. Hey. I am uh, joining you over the phone. I'm uh, having a little trouble with Zoom, so um, such as it is. Well, welcome, John. Happy to have you on the program today. 
So, so did did you catch the thing? First of all, Singing in the Rain is great news because that's a wonderful movie, and I would love to yeah. see it in 4K. Um, but uh, I want to ask you in particular about the the um, vegetable based proteins that you might be considering, so that you could perhaps change the planet Earth's trajectory. Right. Are, yeah. you, are you are I you mean- are you interested in that? Not really. I mean, I have a problem mm-hmm. with tofu, so I can't imagine that anything else around that same vein uh, is going to taste good, right? So you don't think cell-based cultured meat sounds appetizing? Uh, however, mm-hmm. right, you're talking about an 80% reduction, whatever that whatever that might mean, who's ever come up with that number, uh, you know. So, yeah, sacrifices for all, let's eat some kelp-based meat. I'm not even sure what that is. Uh, how about milk produced in a tank from cow mammary glands? <laughs> I can't imagine that. How do you know? How do you even describe that? I don't even know what to say about it. To be honest with no, you, I, I think it, it no. sounds like oh, a horror show. But I am going to find kelp jerky sometime and get it for you. All right, Christy's <laughs> telling me that we need to stop talking and take a break. So let's do that. When we come back, um, our good friend Greg, Greg Clugston not able to join us today because he's on vacay. But Daniel Silliman from CT will be with us. That's Christianity Today. We'll talk about news from Christians around the world. That's coming up next, Monday edition of The Ride Home. WORD. Hi, this is Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA. I'm excited to tell you that not long ago, we launched Saving America Radio and Freedom Night in America, which exists to create biblical citizens inspired for local change. It's about empowering believers to know what the Bible says about being an informed citizen. This year, Freedom Nights will be branching out to even more churches across America. Be listening to our new program, Saving America Radio, right here. Saving America Radio with Charlie Kirk, weekday mornings at 1130 on 101.5 WORD. Every summer, Pine Valley Camp changes lives, not just for the more than 100 underserved kids who attend each week, but for the many high school and college-age volunteers and staff who work with them. As lifeguards, cooks, camp counselors, and more. If you're 16 to 25, love working with kids and helping to foster a fun, safe, Christian family environment, apply now at pinevalleycamp.org. Pine Valley Camp, rebuilding broken lives through Jesus Christ. In Beaver County, camp opens mid-June. The Bible says that in the end, there would be perilous times. And as you take a look at the world that we live in today, economic inflation, gas prices are on the rise, COVID-19 is still looming in the darkness, and the possibilities of a World War III. What do you do in these moments? Aren't you glad to know that Jesus Christ has a word just for you? And I believe Cornerstone is that voice in this season, and that God has hewn out a rock of hope in this season of despair, which is why I want you to join us April 25th to the 29th for our Hope Arising fundraiser. It is going to be a powerful time of prophetic insight, revelation that is going to break you through every line of the devil's defense. We have great guests, Coy Barker, Joshua Giles, Randy Kay, and yours truly. I want you to mark your calendar April 25th to the 29th at 8 p.m. Watch Hope Arising on Cornerstone Television. Xfinity Channel 805, Verizon 505. 
Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, offering generous financial aid, prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church and our neighborhoods. Apply now for fall. Visit pts.edu. It's easy and profitable to be kind to others when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Each day for 30 days, we'll post a new act of kindness that you can do for others. On June 1st, you could win $5,000, and a deserving organization will also receive $5,000 in your name. You can make a difference in others' lives when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Enter the Kindness Challenge today at wordfm.com. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, we are often myopic here in the United States, and we think, you know, Christianity somehow is the center of our country and not elsewhere. Uh, of course, nothing could be further from the truth. So it's good to be reminded that Daniel Silliman joins us on a regular basis from Christianity Today, where he gives us a broader view of Christian gleanings around the world. Daniel, welcome back. Hey, good to be with you. Dan, always glad to have you with us, and appreciate kind of the breadth of uh, news that you included in this article. A lot of stuff that I didn't know anything about. So I guess I want to start with um, with the United Methodist Church story. This is interesting to me simply because we're in such a period of, over the last decade, social upheaval, uh, upheaval and how we're looking at race issues, how we're looking at sexuality issues. And it's certainly not that the church has been immune from that. Um, some denominations in particular, though, looking to make um, more specific rulings or make more specific decisions. But COVID's gotten in the way, yeah? Yeah, the United Methodist Church has been considering splitting for a couple of years now and it got delayed it got pushed back because i couldn't meet uh in front of covid people might remember that back in uh 2019 there was actually a proposal to kind of live and let live the idea was that some churches would uh, affirm uh same-sex identities and other churches would object to them and it would be up to you know, bishops and congregations to make that decision. And then the, the, the Methodists decided they weren't okay with that. So they've been trying to um, come up with an alternative and split into two churches since 2019. Uh, the General Conference got delayed again this year, and um, a conservative traditionalist group has decided to go out on their own. They're going to call themselves the Global Methodist Church. Really? So they decided, they decided, um, Dan, because they're tired of waiting, they're going to do this. Well, the the they were always going to split, or for the last several years, that they've agreed that they're going to divide. And the question is just kind of how. I mean, there are questions like, well, if you if you if conservatives go one way and liberals go another, what happens to the seminary? What happens to the publishing house? What happens to the mission organization? All of that stuff has to be like worked out, and essentially a denominational divorce over uh, LGBT debates. Um, and that discussion has been delayed again by COVID, and the conservatives at this point have decided, well, we're done waiting. We're just going to leave, and the other stuff can be figured out later. 
Let's see. So, Daniel, how does this break down as far as numbers around the world? Um, the United States has joined in the schism. Uh, what about people, you know, from uh, Africa or Europe? Uh, 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 increasing numbers of Methodists in Europe and Africa? Yeah, obviously Methodism is not a specifically U.S. phenomenon. It is it is global, and the name the conservatives have chosen is the Global Methodist Church. Um, we don't know yet exactly how the numbers will break down. You know, no, the church doesn't exist. No one's joined it yet. Um, but best guess is that the majority uh, in this church will actually be in Africa. There'll be about six million. Uh, Methodists from Africa, and then the second would probably be the U.S., maybe 2 million. Um, We'll see how those numbers actually break down. Um, Some of the Methodist churches who leave the denomination could decide to be independent instead of join this. Uh, And then there'll be some in in Europe um, who have to make a decision, and there's actually a lot in Indonesia. There's like 100,000 Methodists in Indonesia who will probably join this denomination. So the shape of this new Methodist denomination will be pretty pretty interesting, majority from Africa, followed by uh, the U.S. and Indonesia. Daniel Silliman with us, news editor from Christianity Today, also author of Reading Evangelicals, How Christian Fiction Shaped a Culture and a Faith. Uh, Daniel, while we're talking about the uh, Methodist Church around the world, let's talk about what's going on in uh, Hungary. Really interesting, federal agents raided an independent Methodist church. Tell us the story. Yeah, Hungary, as people know, just had an election. Um, President uh, or, or um, Prime Minister, actually, Viktor Orban, was uh, re-elected for for fourth time. And from from our reporting, most evangelicals have supported Orban, even though um, he's a pretty controversial figure uh, internationally and in um, and in Hungary as well. He um, has kind of tweaked, I think is maybe the kindest way to say it. He's tweaked a lot of the institutions like the courts and the election system in favor of his party. Um, he has severely restricted the, the sort of free press in the country, so there's state-run press that's supportive of the party in power, and really sort of anti-democratic um, uh, authoritarian tendencies. Um but he's also a conservative. He stands against liberal Europe, and that's um, that's a big concern for a lot of Christians there. But there are some people who've taken a stand against him, including, and this is what is really interesting, uh, a Wesleyan pastor who used to be Orban's own pastor. Orban uh, um, at one point sort of had a religious reawakening, and he got remarried in church. He took a secular marriage and, and sort of recommitted himself in church. He had both his sons baptized, and all of that was done with this, name, with this pastor named Gabor Ivani, who's a Wesleyan. And he, um, Gabor Ivani, has really spoken out and condemned Orban's authoritarian politics. He said it's reminiscent of the fascism that Hungary has had to stand against before and needs to stand against again. And in response, um, there have been these government investigations of um, Ivani's church. Um, it, seems, it seems clear that um, 
there might be some political motivations behind these investigations, but one resulted in a, in a raid of uh, Ivani's Methodist Church and charitable organization. Um, the government is claiming that they failed to pay uh, more than $700,000 in U.S. dollars in, in, in taxes. Um, Ivani, of course, disputes this. He says it's because Orban is mad at him. Daniel Silliman is with us in Christianity Today. We're going around the globe and talking about Christian stories that have an impact on us. Okay, David, uh, Daniel, uh, how about let's go to Spain and talk about uh, the Spanish uh, authorities naming streets after Protestant women. Yeah, I loved this story. Kind of random, uh, but it was super great. Um, so uh, one town in Spain, Seville, um, Doing a, pro- a project and sort of recognizing the the impact of women in the history of the of the city, and as they did the research, uh, a bunch of the women that they found were actually Protestant women. Turns out that during the Reformation, um, you know, of course, Spain stayed a Catholic country and didn't go with uh, Germany or England or some of the other places that that, that sort of went with the reformers, but there were people inspired by the Reformation in Spain, and a lot of them, it turns out, were were women who were critical of the church. So Seville, trying to think about the history of women and the role of women in the history of the city, is renaming uh, several streets and squares, I think four total, after um, some of these Protestant women who who are really kind of remarkable uh, if you dig into their lives, which hopefully some people will see these names and uh, wonder who these women were. Daniel Silliman with us. Check out his book called Reading Evangelicals. Uh, Daniel, let's talk about what's going on with um, the Hillsong situation based in Sydney, Australia. Of course, Hillsong, I think, has 22 different sites here in the U.S., some of which have shut down uh, or closed their doors temporarily, at least over the last month or so. Tell us where we are with that. Yeah, Hillsong's been kind of a mess recently. Um, It's kind of a series of scandals. It goes it goes back to uh, Frank Houston, the founder, being accused of um, sexually abusing a, a, a young man. Um, but the revelations came out sort of shortly after Frank Houston died. Uh, but recently they were revived, um, and the accusations are that the uh, Frank's son Brian, who who until recently was the leader of the global megachurch movement uh, in Australia, um, but also in the U.S. and elsewhere, but there were accusations that um, that Brian knew about his father's sexual abuse and failed to report it. Um, and there's a there's a trial going on right now in Australia with that, um, and then combined with a couple of other things, including some other scandals, uh, including a pastor in New York who was having an extramarital affair with someone uh, outside the church, someone who actually originally didn't even know he was a pastor, um, but then there. Allegations that um, you know denominational leadership knew about these kinds of things and was looking the other way, and so it's caused a sort of um, kind of a rolling scandal. And and Brian Houston um, just sort of stepped down or or, or um, 
backed out, I guess. Uh, he's been the leader of Hillsong for 40 years, so this is quite wow. a um, startling, startling... I mean, it's, it's it's like watching the Titanic go down right there. Yeah, exactly. A, such a significant... It, it, right. And people criticize them, you know, all sorts of ways for, you know, theology or emphasizing fame, reaching famous people over reaching regular people, stuff like that. But I don't know that anyone saw stuff like this happening. There were some other about... recent accusations against Houston, too, which I should just mention, including that um, he spent some time alone with a woman in a hotel um the board says this was he was confused because he was on some kind of um sleeping pills or something i don't i don't that's not a totally plausible explanation from my point of view but uh that's part of what's happening Right. I don't know whether that makes it better or worse. Um, Dan, what about the the documentary on Hillsong that's uh, on Discovery Plus? Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet, no. Okay, okay. Um, so I know a ton of people who've seen it. I haven't seen it yet either. I don't have, I don't subscribe to that. Um, but I, I think I'm going to, you know, delve into it over the next week or so and kind of check out the situation it is like kind of watching the titanic crash at the same time so much of our music at any church that does contemporary stuff um has come from hillsong over the last decade or so i think it's certainly important for each one of us to kind of find out exactly what's going on and maybe dan not so that we can just be gawkers and say you know look at how horribly they've done it but maybe we can look at it and learn from it um, so how do you approach that? You see these stories in particular about that one, but there are other ones that we're not going to have a chance to get to, um, from your perspective as a news reporter, you look at those and you think, okay, I'm putting these out so that what history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, definitely. So we can start there for me, but the interesting question or the, the, the place I am drawn and feel like it's worth focusing is always on questions of accountability. Right. We know that people are sinners, so that's not surprising. We know that people do bad stuff that that we should just expect. But we we build systems. We have elders. We have churches, church boards. um, We have accountability. And any time something like this happens, you're talking about a failure of accountability. Right. This isn't this isn't a case where somebody sins. And the people of God were around them, correcting them, um, making sure that, that the people who were hurt were taken care of. This is cases where people weren't held accountable and stuff was made secret and, 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 and the, the damage got a lot worse. So I try and encourage people to think, okay, your church isn't Hillsong, but, but, um, how are you holding people accountable? What are the checks and balances that you have have in place? You, we all, we all have sinned and will sin again, and there, we all need to um, have have um, oversight of our leaders. Yeah. Well, Dan, thanks. We always appreciate uh, you putting your finger on what's happening around the world. We tend to focus, as I said, you coming in about what's happening in our own neighborhood or in our own city or in our own country. So we forget about the rest of the world and uh, their lifting up or not of Jesus Christ in this world. So always good to have you with us for that reminder and your reporting. 
Thanks, John and Kathy. It's always great to be here. And uh, yeah, if people want to check it out, it's in the May-June issue of Christianity Today, and we sort of round up these little stories about the Church from all over the world, good and bad, depressing, inspiring, but yeah. really trying to help us put our own our own local faith in a broader perspective. Very good. Daniel Silliman, Christianity Today, where he's the news editor. Gleanings is what we're talking about, his reporting about uh, Christianity around the world. Also, Daniel is the author of Reading Evangelicals. We'll take a quick break, step away. Hey, um, school's almost over. Next year, if your child, you yourself, interested in a quality Christian school, we've got details about half-price tuition next. Dr. Mehmet Oz confessed, quote, I'm not socially conservative. Mehmet Oz is a liberal on guns. Listen to him in his own words. How do we keep guns out of the wrong person's hands? Red flag laws. Even worse, Oz supported New Zealand-style forced government gun buybacks, tracking gun owners with universal licensing, and an assault rifle ban. No wonder Mehmet Oz confessed, quote, I'm not socially conservative. Mehmet Oz, a Hollywood liberal and total fraud. Dave McCormick, he's an Iraq combat veteran with a bronze star. He's a proud son of Pennsylvania and a sportsman. Dave McCormick is a conservative who you can trust to stand up to the woke liberal mob and protect your Second Amendment rights. Honor Pennsylvania Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Paid for by Honor Pennsylvania Inc. HonorPennsylvania.com. Why doing it right? Roofing, siding, remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name. Doing it right uses only top quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. Doing It Right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion. You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right. Doing It Right does all work to manufacturers, National Roofing Contractors Association, and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor and James Hardy Preferred Contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable. Offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention John and Kathy for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or find them at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, offering generous financial aid, prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church and our neighborhoods. Apply now for fall. Visit pts.edu. April is National Donate Life Month. The need for organ donors is staggering. You're never too old to sign up as an organ donor and help improve the lives of others. Sign up and learn more at organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You could win $5,000 and bless an organization with $5,000 in your name when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Share your kindness with others. Go to wordfm.com to enter. That's wordfm.com. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Cloudy and cooler tonight, a couple of heavy thunderstorms this evening, followed by a little rain late. Expect a low of 47. 
Mainly cloudy and cooler tomorrow. A brief but dramatic return to chillier weather will reach a high of only 57. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 36. Rather cloudy Wednesday and breezy with a shower in spots will reach a high Wednesday of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Maybe you've thought about sending your child to a quality Christian school, but for any number of reasons, location, cost, whatnot, you have yet to do so. Well, I'm happy to say that Half Price Tuitions is back once again here at Word FM. Brandon McCall is with us. Brandon joins us from Cornerstone Christian Preparatory Academy in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, Brandon, let's talk about that. I mean, people thinking about Christian schools, uh, there's a lot of reasons people say I I can't or won't do that. Talk about the objections first. Oh, no doubt, man. You know, parents, they have such a weighty call from God uh, to train their children. And even the best parents know that they're going to need people to come alongside of them to be a part of that process. And um, so many parents are worried today about whether or not the people that are coming alongside of them are going to actually support their biblical faith, beliefs as a family. And that's true for teachers as well as what are other students going to believe. And um, that's a real big one. And then, you know, people think, wow, what if I can't afford that? Can I afford that? I I often call it our most frequently unasked question about things like financial aid. How can we, how can we make it accessible? And that's a big thing for us is trying to remove the barrier of cost and and support people with financial aid. The the Word FM half price tuition discount stuff is another amazing way that we can make that kind of education with biblical community accessible for families. So those parents aren't worried when they send their kids off to school about what they're learning and who they're learning it with. It's really Mm. important for us. That's really important. Fabulous. Great. Half price tuition is going on right now. This is for first time families, first time students in quality Christian schools all across Western Pennsylvania. Check out wordfm.com. You'll see the uh, low cost tuition, half price tuition banner at the very top of the page, half price tuition at wordfm.com. Hey, Brandon, uh, take a minute and talk to us about Cornerstone Christian Preparatory Academy, what you offer, student body, size, all those specifics? Oh, that's a great question. We love talking about Cornerstone because we got such cool people. We learn you know, some amazing stuff. And, and, and really, when we first started out, we are a pre-K through 12th grade school and um, just united by a common mission of just discipling kids, you know, and, and the kind of uh, families that, that come to us that are you know, desiring to see their kids discipled and trained biblically. It makes a special culture, and it's really hard to to describe what that looks like um, for somebody that might never have experienced it before. That's why we encourage people come and check it out. Look us up online. You know, come and talk to us. You know, we, we um, are, are always looking for people like-minded, share the common faith, want biblical training for their kids. And whether you are in pre-K, a three-year-old, or somebody who's a senior getting ready for whatever God's calling you to after high school. Uh, whatever that may be, uh, you know, we just are excited to have you part of our community. Well, Brandon, hey, thanks an awful lot. I'm happy to put the word out for you about Cornerstone Christian Preparatory Academy, the excellent work that you're doing. You can see the fruit of the labor Thank by you. the students' work. If everyone's out there and you're thinking about a school for next year, I'd highly encourage you to grab on to Word FM's half-price tuition and take a good look at Cornerstone Christian Preparatory Academy in West Mifflin. Brandon McCall's been with us. Brandon, thanks so much. God bless you. Uh, my pleasure. Same to you.
101.5 WORD. Your station for Brian Chapel and Unlimited Grace. These people now in exile, they think about going back to Jerusalem, going to ascend the temple of praise. And they who are in exile and slavery say, God's not done. This is not the final chapter. Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell, weekday afternoons at 1.30 on 101.5 WORD. The goal of this commercial is to show you that if you buy a new home this year without using our two advantages, you will probably have made a pretty big boo-boo financially. I learned that word from my nieces. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and today we announce something brand new. For Word FM listeners on new home purchases this year, we will now pay $1,000 of your closing costs. And there's no gimmicks. We simply believe that home purchases are going to go up this year, and we want to excite you to use us. The second advantage is our direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money within its own walls. There's no middleman, which often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. So don't make a boo-boo. Take advantage of our new $1,000 lender credit and our direct lender advantage. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Year after year, it's the same routine. Drop off the taxes, pick up the taxes, leave a check. Maybe it's time to work with a business CPA who is less transactional and more relational. For Mike Radich and the team at MGR CPA and Consultants, it's about more than crunching the numbers. It's about getting the advice you need for complex tax issues and business solutions. It's just a better return. MGR CPA and Consultants. Honesty, integrity, always. At MGRCPA.com. Hi. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world. To learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year. And to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry, where warriors are made at OurPCS.org. Today, in front of the Supreme Court, the question is, how did an unknown high school football football coach land in the center of the Supreme Court religious liberty case? Logan Spina is with us. Logan serves as legal counsel for the Center for Academic Freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom, where he defends the rights of students, professors, and organizations to speak, associate, and worship freely. Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Logan, this is unusual how this has all come to pass. Um, Some guy who's just kind of minding his own business uh, converted um, in a religious sense in his own personal life. Um, Talk about how that translated into his job as a high school football coach and how he ended up before the Supreme Court. 
Sure. So as pretty much all Supreme Court cases have, this one has a bit of a history to it. Uh, Coach Joseph Kennedy was at Bremerton School District out in Washington, and he served as the assistant coach on the high school football team and the head coach on the middle school team, uh, or the junior high team. But he had a a practice of, just after the end of the game, going to the 50-yard line by himself and silently praying to God, to thank God for the safety of the player, the results of the game, etc. And he believed he was called to do this. Over time, some students asked to join in with him, and he basically said, well, you're free to do what you want. He, didn't, he wasn't inviting students. He wasn't coercing students. He was engaged in his own private prayer, but others saw what he was doing and wanted to be a part of it. Um, eventually, he also gave some motivational speeches. As more students had grown, there were other you know, students from the other teams. The opposing team would sometimes participate. Uh, but basically, the school district never had a problem with this, never even knew about it, until one of the teams who he invited to participate, one of the opposing teams, uh, kind of complained about this. And so the school district thought that merely allowing this coach to engage in his own private expression on the field, the school was concerned that this would somehow violate the First Amendment's Establishment Clause. And so in, in their mind, to avoid violating the First Amendment, they had to restrict his religious exercise that's also protected by the First Amendment. And that's sort of why we were at the Supreme Court today. Interesting. Okay, so the, the, further back in the story is that uh, Joe Kennedy sitting at home, uh, fresh out of a uh, career in the Marines, and he says late night he's watching uh, a movie, and the movie's about, about football. Do you know what this movie is? Uh, my, my understanding, yeah, he'd seen the, uh, the movie Facing the Giants. Yeah. Right. I mean, if anybody's seen that movie, it's a fabulous football film. I mean, every time I've seen it, it makes you cry. So there's Joe Kennedy. He's watching Facing the Giants, and he goes, God's speaking to me, and I'm going to make a promise to God that, you know, if I get this job, when I take this job, I'll honor him by praying on the field. And, and so he did so privately. So where then is the sort of the, the problem with all this? Uh, private prayer is protected, right? Um, but is the problem that people are saying, well, it's not private anymore because you're on the 50-yard line, even though you have not invited the players to, to come and pray with you, people are still praying with you? Right. So it's really two issues that kind of get mixed together. It's whether it counts as private in the first place and then whether it's protected mm-hmm. anyway. Um, the, the Supreme Court asked a very narrow question, and that's whether or not it counts as private when someone has, says a brief quiet prayer by himself. And that's, that's the right question to ask, because that was the practice that Coach Kennedy started with, right? Other people joined him, but it was voluntary, All right? So it's important to ask the legal question, was he protected when he got all of this started? We don't have to assess it, right, from the perspective of other people being involved voluntarily. So that ought to be considered private, but that's one of the issues that the Supreme Court has to decide. And then the issue, the other issue is basically an issue that schools around the country continually get wrong, and that is the schools seem to believe that merely allowing private religious expression is a violation of the Establishment Clause. Uh, the, the proper rule is that allowing private religious activity doesn't always amount to an endorsement of that activity, and therefore it doesn't violate the Establishment Clause. But kind of yet again, we, we have an opportunity for the Supreme Court to hopefully offer some guidance and, and be firmer this time so that public schools can stop committing this continuous error. 
Logan Spina serves as legal counsel for the Center for Academic Freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom, where he defends the rights of students, professors, and organizations to speak, associate, and worship freely. Um, well, Logan, while we're talking about public prayer or whether it's really um, an act, a personal act, um, but we're kind of watching it happen, it makes me think of the NFL. You know, I bet there's 150 million Americans that game per week during the season and we see players who are praying all the time how does this impact what would happen on, that we would see on television right so you see prayer or you see protest for example during the national anthem uh, one of the first questions that was asked in the court today was from justice thomas and he asked the, the same question what if instead of praying coach kennedy had chosen to take a knee during the national anthem one of the things that divides this case from many of the NFL cases is being a government employee, right? So the NFL players, they're not government employees. Coach Kennedy is. And that's why there is an issue with regard to the First Amendment's Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause, right? The, the government can't suppress his religious expression without violating the Free Exercise Clause, and yet the government is kind of claiming that it needs to do that, right, in order to comply with the Establishment Clause. The dynamics of public employment are kind of what distinguish this from the NFL cases. But nevertheless, the right rule that the Supreme Court should reach in this case is that his private expression was private nonetheless, and therefore the school didn't violate the Establishment Clause by allowing him to engage in that private prayer. Right. So, Logan, it's kind of hard to crystal ball something like this. Um, you watched some of the proceedings today. Um, what's your take on this? I mean, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom uh, is not part of the case, although you did file an amicus uh, in support of the case. What do we need to know? What do you think is going to happen? So that, that's exactly right. We're, we didn't represent anyone in the case, but did have the opportunity to file an amicus brief. And you're also right that, you know, kind of trying to prognosticate on these issues is a, is a bit of a perilous task. I think there's good reason for optimism here, and that's in part because of the history of this case. It actually went to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals all the way back in 2017 and was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court then. The Supreme Court decided not to hear it because of the procedural posture of the case, but four justices signed on to a statement expressing severe concern with what had already gone on. Those were Justices Alito, Justice Thomas, Justice Kavanaugh, um, and um, Justice Gorsuch, sorry. Well, so since this, you know, see, it seems like those four justices are probably on Coach's side on this case. And during the questioning today, Justice Coney Barrett uh, asked some pretty probing questions of the other side's counsel and was especially concerned by the other side's counsel's claim that even private speech by a government employee might be so coercive in its effect on students that it could violate the Establishment Clause. Justice Barrett seemed very concerned by that, so she perhaps might be a fifth justice to vote on Coach Kennedy's side if that was a sufficient concern for her. And Chief Justice Roberts recently joined on to the, uh, the Supreme Court's decision in the Janus case, which cast some doubt on some of these public employment rules and how broadly they might apply. Uh, so he might even be somebody who we could look at as a, as potentially a vote for for Coach Kennedy in this case. So there's there's good reason for optimism here. So Logan, would um, the court's decision be released close to the end of May? I don't believe so. I don't follow the timing of the Supreme Court's decisions well enough to know for sure. I think it'd be closer to the end of this year. I see. 
Okay. All right. All right. Well, well, that's very interesting. That's Logan, Logan uh, before you leave us, wait, uh, talk, talk to us about Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, tell us uh, what the work that's being done. You, Alliance Defending Freedom has been with us over the years, but always appreciate uh, you fighting for Christians. Yeah, thanks very much for, for the opportunity. We can be uh, reached at adflegal.org. The, the team that I work for at ADF is called, as you mentioned, the Center for Academic Freedom. And so we focus on the rights of students and teachers and professors to speak and live freely with their faith in the public educational and university system. Uh, one of the major cases that we've handled recently was the case of Meriwether versus Hartoff, uh, which is out of Shawnee State University. Uh, and that dealt with a professor who was disciplined for his refusal to use pronouns and titles that were inconsistent with a student's sex. ADF was able to represent Dr. Merriweather, see that he was able to prevail and win a settlement in that case. And it's, one of, it's the first appellate decision in the United States holding that a university's attempt to p- compel someone to use pronouns that they believe are false or titles that are inconsistent with someone's sex violates their First Amendment speech and free exercise rights. So those are the sorts of cases that we focus on at ADF, but we also do broader uh, free exercise issues like the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. Uh, We also do direct assistance to church groups. Uh, So any of these kind of issues uh, that you're potentially facing, if you're listening to this now, if you're a Christian, you're a person of faith, uh, facing government restriction or compulsion, uh, please contact us through adflegal.org. That's Logan Spina, legal counsel for the Center for Academic Freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom. Logan, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Our great pleasure. All yeah, right. I certainly appreciate the work that they do, Alliance Defending Freedom. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Uh, reset. Hey, we've got good news if you're looking for a job, especially if you want to be a mascot or you want to be an ice cream vendor. That's straight ahead on the ride home. Spring is in the air. Spring is everywhere. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and spring is a great time of year on both our farm and our store. It kicks off with farm tours, and we just love sharing our farm with all those precious young folks. Graduation party season and wedding and shower season start up now, too. So my sister Jill and her catering crew are on the road in our red Springhouse vans almost every day, delivering homemade country cooking to families all over the Tri-County area. My brother Sam and his farm guys are busy this time of year planting corn and pumpkins and hay, along with getting the cows milked and fed two times a day, too. The Springhouse store crew loves serving all the families that come to visit, to enjoy our homemade lunches and suppers, to take a zing down our hillside slide, and to top off their experience with a Springhouse ice cream concoction like a strawberry ice cream shortcake. Come see us and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. The Bible says that in the end there would be perilous times. And as you take a look at the world that we live in today, economic inflation, gas prices are on the rise, COVID-19 is still looming in the darkness, and the possibilities of a World War III. What do you do in these moments? Aren't you glad to know that Jesus Christ has a word just for you? And I believe Cornerstone is that voice in this season and that God has hewn out a rock of hope in this season of despair, which is why I want you to join us April 25th to the 29th for our Hope Arising fundraiser. It is going to be a powerful time of prophetic insight, revelation that is going to break you through every line of the devil's defense. We have great guests, Coy Barker, Joshua Giles, Randy Kay. And yours truly, I want you to mark your calendar April 25th to the 29th at 8 p.m. Watch Hope Arising on Cornerstone Television. 
Xfinity Channel 805, Verizon 505. If a super flexible schedule, great benefits, paid time off, and a signing bonus sound good, consider NAMS Transportation. NAMS has provided safe transportation to northern Allegheny County and Pittsburgh seniors for over 40 years. Van drivers start at $17 an hour, sedan drivers at $14 an hour, plus a $2,000 signing bonus for part-time drivers and a $4,000 signing bonus for full-time. Must be 25 or older, no CDL required. Call 412-406-8611 today. It's a very common fear to have a fear of the dentist. There's a reason patients love Dr. Megan Stock. Voted Pittsburgh Trib's best of the best dentist in northern Allegheny County for the second year in a row. I feel particularly drawn to making sure that all patients are at ease. That extra gentle touch, the extra nudge to tell them it's okay, we'll get through this together. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. Stock Family Dentistry, Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Looking for a summer job? Well, you know about the pirate parrot. You know about Iceberg, the Pens mascot. I don't know about the Steelers if they currently have a mascot. Steely McBeam. If you're looking to be a mascot, the Pittsburgh Zoo wants to hire you for the summer. Could you imagine? Represents the zoo, the zoo mascot, by presenting a friendly and animated presence. I'm reading from the zoo's website. In our animal mascot costumes at events, both at the zoo and in the community, must be prepared. Here's here's the description. Must be prepared to wear weighty, warm costumes in all weather conditions for extended periods without feeling claustrophobic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like I need to bring something up, John. Yeah, yeah. Now, the reason that the... And I'm a huge zoo supporter. I love the zoo. There's just a question I'm going to put out there. The reason that the pirate parrot is interesting at a ball game Mm -hmm. is because there aren't other parrots at the ball game. And, you know, the reason that the iceberg thing is interesting at the hockey game is because it's, you know, people there. Why do we need an animal mascot at the zoo? Surrounded by a plethora... Of animals. I would say just for the fun of it all, don't you think? Just, you know, it's like, oh, look, there's a little fun furry creature and everyone. Well, then you can go see a real fun furry creature if you just walk, I, I you know, know, right over there. I don't know. Okay. I, I just, you know, something kind of fun. Applicants should be. Uh, you think between... I'm a fun killer? Well, uh, just bringing it up here. I don't know. Five, four and five, ten. You could fit in this thing. I could. Yeah. Christy, looking uh-huh. for a part-time job at the zoo. Maybe you could do this as well. Right. Um, let's see what else uh, you have let's to see, pass see. out. Oh, I see. This is why. This is why they're at the zoo, because you will pass out promotional items and answer basic questions about the zoo. So you're not a quiet. You're not like the parrot doesn't really speak. Oh, so you have to talk. That's so you're it, a talking furry thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You probably spent half your day saying the restroom is over there. Right. I'm sure. Right. Yes, might, we do have curly fries. Right, yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, it'd just be very, very hot. Can you imagine being no. at the zoo and I imagine no. how hot it would be? The zoo is stinky in summer anyway. We know this. Yeah. I've I mean, all, all of us who have animals, this is what it is. I like the zoo, though. I love the zoo. I mean, so... That was my opening salvo. What do you mean? That I love the zoo. Yeah. 
But it would be kind of rough to spend your whole summer there. Okay, so if you don't want to be uh, okay. at the zoo as Is there a mascot. another option for me? Yeah. Uh, how about driving a vintage ice cream truck? Um, a company apparently is advertising on Craigslist, seeking a part-time ice cream truck driver up to 30 hours per week. The position will drive a vintage ice cream truck in the South Hills, assist in booking parties and festivals and more. Candidates must be at least 18 years of age, have a valid driver's license, pays 100 to $200 per day. Hey. Now, Driving wait a, a minute. vintage ice cream truck. All right, let's back that up for a minute because mm-hmm. does that include a bell I'm ringing or is it going to imagine, be like digital music? Which... If it's a vintage truck, right? I would imagine it would be a bell. The bell, I'm totally on board with. Whatever infernal thing, song-wise, that goes around our neighborhood makes me want to pull my hair out. What do you mean? What's wrong? Is it like a little recording? Yes, mm-hmm. and it's horrible. Right. And it's about 12 seconds long. It keeps repeating. My problem is I would be like eating all the ice cream sandwiches. At the end of the day, I'd have... There'd be nothing to deliver to the children. No, no. But two cool jobs that are out there. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmytro Kuleba says the visit by Secretary of State Blinken and Defense Secretary Austin to Kiev was significant. This is really uh, was a political message, but it was also an opportunity to sit down at the table and have a meaningful, meaningful conversation. It lasted for about two hours. We went through each and every detail of weapons, sanctions, financial and other issues of utmost interest for both of us. The Supreme Court tackling a dispute between public school officials and a former high school football coach who wanted to kneel and pray on the field after games. The New York Times reports that Twitter's board and Tesla CEO Elon Musk were negotiating over his bid to buy the social media platform. Musk said last week that he had lined up $46.5 billion to buy Twitter. This is SRN News. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You're not required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-786-2300. 800-786-2300. That's 800-786-2300. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name. Doing it right uses only top quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. Doing It Right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion. You will receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing 
it right. Doing it right does all work to manufacturers, National Roofing Contractors Association, and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing it right is an Owens Corning Platinum contractor and James Hardy preferred contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention John and Kathy for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or find them at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. Hey, is this line secure? Franco cybersecurity firm secured a contract. And that's all we're allowed to say. We have a green light on hiring. He needs web security professionals with a military background. Three teams of four, 24-hour rotations, but Protocol Zulu is on a need-to-know basis. Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from the Indeed dashboard, so you can stay organized and connected all the way to the hire. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Lynn Hayes Freeland, talk show host. Everyone deserves a chance to own a home. That's why Mortgages for Mothers is the way home. Free home buying workshop from Dollar Bank. Learn how to break the rent cycle, build savings, cut debt, and boost credit. Join us for the Way Home Workshop from Dollar Bank on Saturday, May 14th at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Register today at dollar.bank slash the way home. Dollar Bank, let's get you there. Equal housing lender. Cloudy and cooler tonight, a couple of heavy thunderstorms this evening, followed by a little rain late. Expect a low of 47, mainly cloudy and cooler tomorrow. A brief but dramatic return to chillier weather will reach a high of only 57. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 36. Rather cloudy Wednesday and breezy with a shower in spots will reach a high Wednesday of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for being with us here today, the Monday edition. Hope that your week is off to a fabulous start. An amazing Monday to you. you know, well, that was an incredible Monday. It was like the best Monday of my life. How could that even be? Yeah, okay, so let's talk about what you did today, John, your Monday. I mean, it's beautiful weather. We're happy to have spring here, even though it's going to go down by 40 degrees yep. in the next couple, 48 hours maybe. Um, mm. You did something specific today, though, that well, I'm sure many people in our listening audience have struggled with. Yeah, well, it wasn't so much today. Uh, it was actually Saturday. It was when and the horror I, the, started. Today was just the, sort of like the repercussions of it. Today was actually the... Uh, the uh, conclusion, the very happy conclusion. I was doing laundry on Saturday afternoon, as I'm wont to do, right? I think most of us. So uh, I went down to the basement to transfer from the uh, washing machine to the dryer. And as soon as I opened up the basement door, I was like, whoa, oh, Johnny, what's going on here? Because clearly there was a smell in the air, and it wasn't the smell of hyacinth. I'll tell you that. It wasn't springtime. Uh what I discovered quickly is that my sewer had backed up into my basement. Mm. Delicious. <laughs> Appetizing, my friends. <laughs> Holy moly. I mean, so you I, immediately I, had to spring into action because you can't obviously just let that sit no, no, for no, any I, length of time. Yeah, I had, to, uh, <laughs> I had to work it out. So, of course, uh, all hands on deck. And uh, 
I don't want to go into the details there, but um, I cleaned up the area, so to speak, and uh, I, I made a few phone calls and discovered uh, some really great guys. I mean, highly recommended. Might I say that Mel and Curtis. Thank you, Curtis and Mel. From A1 Sewer Cleaning Specialist, Mel and Curtis. They came to the rescue today, first thing in the morning, and boom, uh, they pushed out 186 uh, feet of cable into my uh, sewer line, and before you knew it, I was up and running. So thank goodness for small favors. I mean, it was the best 300 bucks I ever spent, I'll tell you that. A1 Sewer. Listen, Mel and Curtis. I've suffered the same fate as you and oh. turned to the guys at A1. They've just done a really terrific job. Um, and so us Zooming from home, for those of you who'd like to watch the show, you can do that right now. You can go mm-hmm. to the Word Pittsburgh on YouTube and see us both in our rooms at home because mm-hmm. my daughter still has COVID. You were dealing with this the sewage backup. Right. And so this was the end result. Well, people have been saying for years, you know, the show's in the gutter, and there's proof of it right today. I mean, clearly it is, right? It was the COVID Zoom sewer edition of the ride home. And I guarantee you, no other show in the city is doing anything like that. Big time here, big time radio. So news comes today, John, Mm -hmm. in a uh, citywide context that Pittsburgh hospital workers are by droves, by absolute droves, trying to leave the profession. Give us some details on this. Okay, this comes uh, from Jeffrey Shook, who is a Pitt associate professor, author of something called the Pittsburgh Hospital Workers Survey. And the survey just completed had 2,253 participants, which represented hospital workers, excluding doctors who had worked at one or more of the 11 Pittsburgh hospitals within uh, in 2021. All right. He said that uh, of this 2,253 participants, more than 93% of those who were polled said that they were thinking of leaving the hospital profession. Oh my gosh, ninety-three! I can't, I can't believe that's a shocking number. Ninety-three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Shook says, "quote A lot of people are really thinking about leaving their jobs, but they are also really committed to their patients, and they're saying that they are staying because of their patients." Nine out of ten workers reported their job was meaningful and had moderate to high compassion satisfaction, a term that indicates the satisfaction people experience when they help others through their work, according to the report. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully the compassion overrides the despair and the what the general sort of, uh, I'm just overwhelmed. Or we're all in trouble. Yeah, we are all in trouble. Can you imagine? 93%. I... I... We should keep that number in mind the next time we go to a hospital, mm-hmm. we go to the doctor's office, the dentist's office, whatever thank it you, is. Just you, keep you. in mind how fragile people are. I think I told you, John, I was scheduling a, a routine test uh, via phone over the last month. And I called in, tried to schedule the test, and they said, well, you know, we're going to have to call you back. Okay. Right. Yep. So then several days, nobody called me back. So then I called the second time, and I said, hey, you know, I'm calling again. Okay. And they're like, okay, they're, uh, we're going to have to call you back. So the third time I called in, no, it was the fourth time I called in, and I said, hey, listen, this is number four. I have called multiple times. I want to know what the deal is, why mm-hmm. you are trying to not schedule this test, yeah. right? I figured it was something about my insurance or lack of or something about whatever. Anyway, the woman started weeping. Weeping? Crying on the phone to you? Crying on the phone. 
and the, she's going on and on about how it, how they only have three people scheduling and they have hundreds and hundreds of people calling every day. They can't really? possibly really? get through their call log. They don't have enough people to transfer them to. They don't have the right software that's going to. Anyway, it was so. So she probably just did like verbal explosion about her story mm. for I want to say three solid minutes. What? I just sat there and listened to her. And then there was this pause. And she said, I can't believe I just told you all that. And I said, listen, that is fine. You obviously need somebody to be able to vent to. And I'm happy to be that person. And I'm sorry if I came came on too strong. She said, you didn't come on too strong. When you called to set up a test, you should be able to set up a test. You shouldn't have to call back four times. But anyway, it was just a real eye-opener to me right. about the kinds of environments people are working in when it comes to healthcare oh right my now. Gosh, that and that's thing. not somebody who's working in the ER. That's no, someone no. who's trying to schedule routine testing. Right. Did you say that uh, you were going to keep it between you and her and 50,000 watts? I didn't give her name. Mm-hmm. No, you did not. <laughs> and I didn't that. say what I was calling, what no, organization I, I, I was calling. I think calling. it's probably a not unusual story, but thank you for your your compassion and your wherewithal to know that something was totally amiss, right? Listen, that that person that, availed themselves that of that. woman really needed somebody to talk yeah, to. Yeah, I'm sure she, she did. did. And my need to schedule a routine test was not as important as her need to be able to just have somebody to hear what she was saying. Yeah. That's really true. All right. Well, you're right. I mean, next time you go to the hospital, hope you don't have to go anytime soon, of course. Yeah. But you know that people are really in turmoil there because the system is just overloaded. Okay. Shall we take a quick break? Yeah. When we come back, Ryan Burge will be with us from Eastern Illinois University. How America's youth lost its religion in the 1990s. He says we're living in the aftermath of one of the most dramatic democratic shifts in American history. Much more coming up. Right on. 101.5 WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not about whether you're going to get in heaven or not. You'll already be there. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it will be about how have I lived my life as a believer? What kind of a steward have I been for the gifts that God has entrusted to me? Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Signs, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. When assigned to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero, Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarrustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarrustpittsburgh.com. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills 
And it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... Doug. Check it out, Lemu. A roadside carnival. Step right up, folks. Test your strength. Come see the fire-breathing baby. <laughs> Let's fan out and tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Look! An emu wearing sunglasses! Lemu, you're famous. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I believe it may have been the late 1980s that REM famously decried that they themselves were losing their religion. You remember the song, Kath? Love that song. Yeah, it's a great song, REM. That's me in the corner. Automatic for the people, I believe, was the the CD. Mm -hmm. So apparently, uh, the youth of that time took them up with the uh, the news of losing their religion. Ryan Burge is with us. Uh, he's a fascinating guy who's always looking at numbers and charts and graphs. And, Ryan, you've got bad news about 90s youth. They themselves did lose their religion in earnest. They did. I mean, I think the 1990s were probably the most important decade, at least in, in my life, when it comes to American religion. The share of young people who said they were Christian uh, dropped dramatically between 1991 and 1998. Dropped 14 points in seven years. And the share of 18 to 35-year-olds said they had no religious affiliation jumped 12 points during that same time period, 1991 and 1998. I think we're actually living sort of in the residue of what happened during that seven-year stretch in the 90s. Okay, so let's think back to what happened in the 90s. I mean, we had, you know, the impeachment crisis with uh, Bill Clinton. I remember that. Um, Other than that, like... like, take me back and, and help us to, like, trace the source of where the decline started. Yeah. So um, in 1991, uh, the USSR crumbled and the Soviet fell apart and the Eastern Bloc kind of broke away. And, sure. you know, we were in a locked in a in a Cold War for 40 years, you know, and that war, by the way, was pitched in, in very religious tones for people like me who are a bit younger. We didn't grow up during this time, but it was very much seen as a war between, you know, godless atheist communists, you know, in Russia and then us capitalist, you know, virtuous Christians in the West. And so to be an atheist in that period was to be a communist. And so when you get rid of that, so hold ethos, now the stigma against being an atheist sort of goes away or at least lessens a bit. So I think a lot of Americans, you know, in God, we trust actually was putting the money in the 1950s, you know, and, and pledging allegiance under God happened in the 1950s as well. It's sort of a way to inoculate uh, American youth against, you know, godless communism. Hmm. And when you, that threat's gone, a lot of people go, well, what are we rebelling against now? You know, what are we pushing against now? And when when the Soviet fell, a lot of Americans said, you know what? I don't really have a religion and that doesn't make me a communist. It just makes me a person. And so I think that is one of those things that led to a snowball effect where more people said they were okay with it and more people said they were okay with it. And we sort of are living, you know, in, in the, in the outcome, the residue of what happened with communism falling, but that's not it. I mean, that's not the only thing, right? Cause nothing's the only thing. Yeah. Um, we also have to think about what happened in the 1990s when it comes to politics. Um, 
now we think that you know polarization is the norm but in the, in the late 18 1980s polarization was very normal or not not nearly as bad as it was now tip o'neill who was the democratic speaker of the house and ronald reagan were good friends mm-hmm. and they were republicans democrats they hung out they played golf they were good friends and now republicans and democrats don't even look at each other mm-hmm. i mean they think each other's evil and that really kicked off in 1994 i think with newt gingrich Yep. In the contract with America, New Gingrich rose to power by basically being a bomb thrower. He was not an appeaser. He was not across the aisle kind of guy. He was the guy who came out and said the Democrats are evil. Um, they're going to ruin this country. If you elect them, we're going to be in a very bad place. And then in, in kind, the, the Democrats reciprocated against the Republicans. And we sort of you know have this – I think we're living polarization-wise in, in what happened in 1994. We can blame a lot of that on Newt Gingrich, I believe. <laughs> and then, of course, that led to 98 when the impeachment crisis started. That's right. But by then, the, the religious transition, a lot of people are going to post this graph. They go, oh, it's the Internet. Like they always point to the Internet as being sure. one of the things that like really kicked that off. But if you look at the data, most people did not have Internet in their homes until late 1990s. And this is 1991 and 1998. So I don't think it started these things, but I think it continued what was already happening. The, the snowball started rolling down the hill in 1991, 1992, and it picked up speed through the 90s. And I think it was accelerated by the Internet. And I think the impeachment crisis, well, that's the other thing. Evangelicals hit their peak in America numerically in 1993 when they were 30 percent of the population. Right. Interesting. So you think of this confluence of events, 91, right, with the Soviet Union falling, 93 with evangelicals reaching their peak, and the religious right reaching its peak, and then 94 with Newt Gingrich and the contract with America and the Republicans taking back the House for the first time since FDR. All these things happen, boom, boom, boom. And for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, not just in the physical world, but also in the social world. And evangelicals being so large and so vocal and so right wing. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of moderates and maybe leftist center folks who said, if that's what religion is, I don't want anything to do with that. And now with the atheist stigma going away, I think all the things kind of together got us to where we are today. Right. And where we are today, certainly not a good place, right? So 1991, if we the trend started in 91, that's more than 30 years ago. If you were born in 91 or if you were a teenager, you're having kids of your own. Odds are, right, if you're one of those people, you're not going to church. You're not connected. You're not bringing your family along as well. So the snowball has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, we know that people who are raised without faith um, are more likely to stay without faith as adults today than at any point in the last 40 years. Used to be if you were raised with no religion, there was a two-thirds chance that you would pick up religion as an adult. Really? Now it's only a one-third chance you pick up religion as adult. So the retention rate amongst the nuns is growing. So if your parents were nuns, the likelihood of you being a nun as an adult is higher than it's ever been. And so now, you know, those small changes, like we're talking about, that's Generation X, 18 to 35-year-olds in the 1990s. Those are the ones whose kids are now 20, 25, 30 years old, and now they're raising kids. So Gen X are grandparents, and those grandchildren are being raised without religion by because of what happened in the early 1990s. So these little shifts in society and culture 20, 30, 40 years ago can send ripples in, in throughout our social you know, economic sphere for 50 years. Wow. And I think what we're seeing now is these are grandchildren of that moment. Now, the question for me is, as a social scientist, will there be a reaction against the reaction, right? When you're a kid, the coolest thing to do is rebel against your parents. And if your parents are, you know, a fundamentalist Baptist, the coolest thing to do is not be that. But imagine you grow up third generation atheist. Maybe the coolest, most rebellious thing you can do mm-hmm. is become a Christian. So I do wonder if there's going to be a backlash against the backlash. We haven't seen it yet in the data, but I would not be surprised at all in 10 or 15 years when we talked about the next generation being more religious 
than the prior generation. Fascinating. Dr. Ryan Burge with us. We're talking about how America's youth lost its religion in the 1990s. You can follow Ryan on Zoom. Not on Zoom. No, I mean, you could follow him on Zoom, but I would suggest following him on Twitter (laughs) at Ryan Burge, B-U-R-G-E. All right. So that's really interesting, Ryan, to think that, you know, the backlash against atheism is the more people are in the pews. But of course, that's going to take a long, a long way for that to happen. What does all this say to you? I mean, what what you just said about all people think, well, it was just the Internet. It wasn't the Internet. These seeds were planted a heck of a long time ago. Yeah, that's I think the problem with being a social scientist is we're trained to always say everything's complicated and the world we live in says nothing. It's, it's like two simple tricks to know how to do this or what's the one hack you don't know but when it comes to social science. Right. It's never one thing. It's always a confluence of things working together. And the problem with social science, too, is in Sarah Kierkegaard said we have to live life forwards, but it only makes sense in reverse. You know, and that's the problem is we cannot when we're in the moment, we don't understand what the moment means. And oftentimes we don't understand what the moment means for 20 or 30 or 40 years down the line. And I'm telling you, people grew up in the 1990s, did not know what that moment meant. We're just now 30 years down the line making sense of what that meant. And you know what that means for us 30 years from now, people are going to look back on this moment and go, what did Donald Trump mean? What did the rise of social media mean, right? What do all these, what did COVID-19 mean for the church and for society and for politics and religion and all those things? We can only make sense of things looking back, you know, over a long time horizon. That kind of, that's tough, you know, for living in right now, because we want to make sense of today. But unfortunately, it's complicated. There's thousands of things going on and what sticks around and what goes away will not know for 10 or 15. Like, what is Donald Trump's legacy? Right now, it's impossible to know because he's only been out of office less than two years. We need 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. What, you know, what's the legacy of American religion? We don't know. We're still living in it right now. Yeah. It's not history yet, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's still current. Yes. Um, uh, so when I think back, you brought it, uh, the, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the mm-hmm. fall of the Soviet Union in the mm-hmm. early 1990s. And, you know, I would never have uh, until you kind of, uh, drew it together for us have considered that that would have had an impact on American atheism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I can see that, you know, it really was um, very much a conflict of good versus evil. Um, and the godless society, the godless Marxist society was filled with all sorts of suffering, persecution, uh, whether that's economic or personal or religious or whatever it was. And so there really was a good versus evil. And for sure, on the domestic front, when it came time for the Clinton impeachment, man, that was good versus evil for mm-hmm. a lot of Christians. Well, think, think about So I was born in 82. Right. So I came of age in the 1990s, really kind of moved into adulthood, made sense of everything. It's really the first time any generation, at least that's alive today, America had no enemy. You know, between like 1991 and 2001, we really did not have an enemy in the world. You know, for our our grandparents, they obviously had the Nazis and then we had the the Soviet and communists for a long, long time. And then when the Soviet declined, we didn't, you know, for 10 years and nothing. Then we had, you know, radical Islam was our enemy for the next 10, 15 years. And now the question is, who is our enemy after that? We always, America always has to do this thing where we have to find someone we don't like, right? And kind of push against them. Whether, you know, we might look back and go, it, maybe it's Putin, maybe it's China, maybe it's China and Putin right now, right? I think it's a little bit of both all at the same time. But if you think of the 1990s, we didn't have that thing we were pushing against. And I think that's when domestically we said, well, we got to find an enemy within because we can't find an enemy without. 
right? We can't out our, outside our borders. There's no common enemy for us. And so now we should fire our guns at Republicans against Democrats, Democrats versus Republicans. They're the enemy. And I think you're right, Kathy. The, the Clinton impeachment was when all that stuff said, OK, the gloves are off now. We're going to use every tool at our disposal to try to destroy the other party for whatever reason, you know, real or imagined. And I think that's really where the culture war kind of made, you know, kind of took a backseat to just rank partisanship. And now I think the culture war is actually not nearly as important as Republicans don't like Democrats. Democrats don't like Republicans. And it's only getting worse now because now we have to find a common enemy. And what we do, and this is what we do with the Soviet, by the way, we made the worst version of them in our heads and then hated that version. Right. There was this great quote. I could not find it for the book, but I remember reading it. There was this great quote. A Russian diplomat came to the United States in 1989. He talked to the press outside the United Nations building. He said, why are you here? He goes to prove to Americans we're not the enemy. That's what he said to prove to Americans we're not the enemy. And that's the problem is if we don't know someone from the other side, we always assume the worst version of them. Right. And those the average Russian didn't give a rip about the average American in 1985. They just wanted to eat and farm and live a good life just like we did. But instead, we had to create a villain on the other side. And we've done it inside America now. Now, Democrats have a completely distorted view of what Republicans believe and Republicans have a completely distorted view of what Democrats believe. And it's easy to hate that distorted view. It's a lot harder to hate someone when you sit next to them on a pew on Sunday or work with them on Tuesday. Right. Because now they're real people. They're your neighbors. They're your friends, the people you like. That's why I talk about my new book, by the way, Plug, 20 Myths About Religion and Politics in America. We cannot make worse versions of the other side. We need to look empirically at what's true in the world, and we realize we're a lot more similar than we are different, especially when it comes to religion. Yeah, especially when it comes to religion. And the cool thing is, I mean, in your new work, you've got the data to back this up, don't you? That's I'm trying to make a point that empiricism is the way for us to get around all this stuff. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but the data does not lie. The data tells truth. And whatever you do with that is up to you. But it's my job as empirical social science to say, here's what the survey data says. And I'll give you a data point to end with today. Right now, over the last five years, something dramatic happened in American life, which is the, the number of Americans who never attend church now exceeds the number of Americans who attend church every week. Wow. First time it's happened, happened somewhere between 2016 and 2017, and now more Americans never go to church than go to church every week. Think about what that means for the future of American society, American religion, American culture. We have big changes on the horizon. Wow. wow. All right, check out Ryan's work. You can find uh, wherever you buy your books, 20 Myths About Religion and Politics Excellent. in America. Also, you can check out The Nuns, where they came from, who they are, and where they're going. Um, Ryan, how are things with you? How are things in Illinois? Oh, we're getting this is the last week of the semester. I'm just trying to survive. No thriving, just surviving this okay. week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next time we talk to you, we'll expect a little bit of thriving. I maybe just a peak. A ten percent thriving would be all I can handle right now. Very nice. Batten down the hatches. Hold tight for this week, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Good Thanks. To see you. Thanks very much. Bye -bye. We'll take a quick break. We do come back. Our daily feature, Does This Make Sense? That's next year on the Right Home. Stay with us. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. I'm about to compare a pepper shaker to a cash-out refinance. Hang with me. You know when you're at a restaurant and they ask, would you like some fresh ground pepper? And then they crank that giant tube, but almost nothing comes out? For me, only a certain amount of time is socially acceptable to wait. I know that getting that pepper out might make my life better, but it just seems too impossible. And that's what we hear people say about the cash-out refinance. People realize that the value of their home has gone up like hot pepper the last few years leaving all this extra money sitting inside their home. 
but is it too hard to get out? It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. If you're interested in cashing out the extra pepper in your home, we're good at doing all the work while you just sit back and relax. And often, your mortgage payment and years in the loan will stay the same. If you'd like to hear about your options, we are United, United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Title or corporate analyst number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. I think we've all been sold the bill of online school. That, you know, you can do it online just as easily as you can do it in person. Same thing. Right. It's the same thing. Same I mean, quality. You, can get, you can access the same teacher. You can access the same experience. It's really fine. We all know that's not the case. Right. There's a huge difference being in person, in a room with other individuals and doing something digitally. So during the COVID pandemic, I look at my own kids and I think of the things that they missed out on. And I'm not just talking about classes. I'm saying, okay, I had one uh, child who was an athlete who, you know, the entire NCAA sports schedule got upended. I have another child who's involved in music and all those music performances got completely cut. I'm happy to tell you that over the last three, four months, I just feel like we're coming up you know, out of this horrible haze we've been in, I've been able to see sporting events and I've been able to go to live concerts. And it just reinforces in my mind how important those extracurriculars are when you're talking about choosing a school for your child. Because community matters. So if you're thinking about next semester, next year, look at Grove City College because face-to-face, in-person, Christian men and women gathering together With an education, with a strong faith perspective, there's nothing like Grove City. Look online, gcc.edu. That's Grove City College in person. You could win $5,000 and bless an organization with $5,000 in your name when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Share your kindness with others. Go to wordfm.com to enter. That's wordfm.com. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Cloudy and cooler tonight. A couple of heavy thunderstorms this evening, followed by a little rain late. Expect a low of 47. Mainly cloudy and cooler tomorrow. A brief but dramatic return to chillier weather will reach a high of only 57. Patchy clouds tomorrow night with a low of 36. Rather cloudy Wednesday and breezy with a shower in spots will reach a high Wednesday of 43. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? Canned peas, John. Canned peas. Canned peas. To be honest, I'm not a fan of canned peas or frozen peas or fresh peas. No I'm just peas. not. No, I really don't. No, it's not something I go, hey, I wish I had some peas. Or when I see peas, I go, boy, I, I got a taste for peas. So I. Canned peas or frozen peas, none of them make sense to me. Wow, John. Yeah. That's a bold statement you've made there. Yeah. I could eat peas every day. What? Really? I could eat peas every day. I love them so much. I think their shape is amusing. I think their color is pleasing. Really? And I think the taste, you know, always delivers, especially 
when it comes to the canned variety. Now, here's the thing. For anyone concerned about nutrition, you shouldn't be looking at canned peas. They're lacking the, nutrition? Well, the sodium content is out of control. Right. I mean, if you're comparing frozen peas or fresh peas versus canned, no comparison. You should always go frozen or fresh. Is that a nostalgia food for you? John, it's just so stinking delicious. Really? The canned peas. It's so flavorful. The peas are big. There's a lot to chew on. I just, I, I could eat them right now. I could eat them cold. That's how I feel. Cold canned peas. See, so that make- anyway, I'm saying canned peas. Yes, indeed, they do make sense. Really? All right. Mm. Does this make sense? Made up corporate names. Like, um, remember, like the first corporate name, Aramark. The heck is Aramark? Oh, right. Uh huh. Synax. Yeah. What mm-hmm. the heck is Synax? What does that mean? You see these names all the time. You know, they like smush things together. Most often, it sounds either ridiculous or evil. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any sort of emotional appeal mm-hmm. to me, right? I mean, it's not like even like a throwback, like Smuckers. What is a Smuckers? What's that all about? Well, isn't that somebody's last name? I don't. Well, they say with a name like Smuckers, it has to be good. I don't think so. Well, I don't get that. Well, Why does it have to be Ms. good with a name Mr. like and Smuckers? Mrs. Smuckers thought it was a fine name. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, what about like Boeing? Like they Bo- make airplanes? Is that bad? I don't. I don't know. Hey, I'm H- running down. H- I'm going to go to Aramark. You want something to eat? No, unless I want something like an evil-sounding weird name. Right. So you None feel like we should. Uh, so you're saying that they do or not? You don't think they do make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. No. Well, I'm solidly behind Heinz. I think Boeing's good. Well, Heinz, you know, that was a guy. Doesn't make sense to me. 101.5 WORD. Coming up next time on Adventures in Odyssey. Laugh, all of helps Jack and Lucy learn an important lesson about faith through the incredible story of a man named Noah. You've got to turn away from your wickedness. Yada, yada, yada. You've been saying this for a hundred years, Noah. Batten down the hatches. I'm talking a lot of water here. And prepare to set sail on the next Adventure in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. Why doing it right? Roofing, siding, remodeling? It's simple. It's in their name. Doing it right uses only top quality materials and employs only experienced installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. Doing it right does business honestly, taking no money down and collecting balance upon completion. You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right. Doing It Right does all work to manufacturers, National Roofing Contractors Association, and Vinyl Siding Institute guidelines and specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor and James Hardy Preferred Contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention John and Kathy for 
for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or find them at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. Every summer, Pine Valley Camp changes lives, not just for the more than 100 underserved kids who attend each week, but for the many high school and college-age volunteers and staff who work with them as lifeguards, cooks, camp counselors, and more. If you're 16 to 25, love working with kids and helping to foster a fun, safe Christian family environment, apply now at pinevalleycamp.org. Pine Valley Camp, rebuilding broken lives through Jesus Christ. In Beaver County, camp opens mid-June. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are, but I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. So one of the things that we've consistently talked about over the years are various mm-hmm. forms of entertainment. John is the movie guy, right? So he loves film. He and his wife spent their first date at a double feature. They both love I have just never been particularly into movies. I mean, I like them okay. I like them okay. But when the film is over, I'm wishing that there was more. Like I, there would be more de- character yeah. development or I would find out more about the story or something. And so um, I always preferred TV and especially now, you know, the lo- long form TV is so outstanding no, right now that I never want to watch a movie because there's always a new show that has, you know, eight parts to it or maybe it has two seasons or something. And I just can I think it has to do with how many book series I read when I was a kid. And there was nothing I liked more than being in like I'd be halfway through book one of a series and I would be loving it. And I would think to myself, there's a book two and a book three. It's like this incredible sense of satisfaction. Like, I'm going to be in this world, this fictional world for a long time, and I like it. I get that same feeling when I find a new show that I am really into. Um, And I bring all this up to say that John being the film guy, me being the TV guy, Christy, you lean more towards TV like me, yeah? Yes. Okay. And why do you not – why is it that you made that choice, you think? I I can't tell you. I'm not really sure. It just happened. Yeah, well, you're you're a curious person, and you like a complicated story. Yes, I right. Do. I love them, and and it's really fun to see that kind of unfold. As you know, Christian, I've watched Severance together, which is on Apple, and it's just one of those things that it's like a constant mystery as it goes on, and it goes on for you know nine whole episodes. Um, when Lent happened, Ash Wednesday. Um, perhaps it was the day before Fat Tuesday when John, you looked at me in the studio and you said. I think I need to give up TV for Lent. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I think I need to give up TV. So you did. You followed through on it, John. Yeah. And what was the experience like for you? At first, was it hard? Uh, it wasn't really hard because I had been thinking about this a lot and had fallen into somewhat of a rut, right? I think, which is a pretty common thing. We go to work. We come home. We have dinner. We sit down in front of the screen, whatever that is, you know, 
um, maybe have some conversation, and then go to bed. And it just felt hollow to me. I couldn't believe I was doing this. And you know what? My relationship with my wife was not it, was as good as it could be. And I think just because we got lazy. And I thought, oh, this is this is really this is what it's going to be like, like for the next. <laughs> this is like it. Thirty years. Exactly. I could just imagine myself. You know, I don't want to die with my hand on the remote. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I yeah. don't. And yeah. I felt like, oh no, that's happening to me. That I've just become a source of streaming. So I, I had to put an end to it, and and so really. It wasn't difficult at all, I, I, and I'm not trying to brag or anything here. I just, it was a necessary readjustment of my priorities to step away and look at things a little bit differently. And so, and so what did you do instead? Throughout the entirety of Lent, we would come home. Uh, generally, of course, you know, we always made dinner together. Now, okay, we're, we're sort of pseudo-empty nesters. Our, our kids are both away in college. They're coming back next week, which is going to change everything. <laughs> It's going to change everything again. I love this. I love this era that we're in right now. So we're not running around crazy. My wife's not having to, you know, sort of be the, you know, the the chef and the, you know, everything involved with food, 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 food. Like last night, we we're like seven o'clock. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Do you really want to eat something? Yeah. How about we have like a little salad and uh, you want to do a grilled cheese sandwich? Yes. I mean, couldn't have been any easier. The whole salad it took us fifteen minutes to make dinner. We were good to go. Uh, there's something to be said about t- because it's too easy right now. We live in this age where, you know, we're streaming everything imaginable. And to be fair, I think this is probably true. Most of what we're streaming is very tense and very mm. dark. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I'm car- the, I mean, it, most of the stuff that's being put out since COVID began is that. Very tense and very dark. Which Do you think our lives themselves are great and small, by the way? Right. But the nature of our lives right now is very tense and very dark. So why am I inviting more and more layers of that into my life? More than anything, I just kind of want to have some silence or some music or something that's calm and easy at the end of the day. Not more ramping it up. Now, okay, I'll say this. The benefits of this, way better relationship. Our communication, much better as a couple. My tension level has gone down tremendously so. The big thing is... I'm sleeping like a baby. I mean, I, I'm just rocking it. It's nothing for we go to bed now at the latest ten o'clock. What? I'm going to bed. Ten o'clock. I'm just getting started. I'm and I'm I'm a, I'm asleep most nights by ten thirty, and I'm sleeping through most nights. I'm not even getting up once or twice. I'm sleeping through until seven, sometimes eight, or maybe later. What? That's how it is. I'm just saying. All right, so now we're post Easter, mm-hmm. living in the season of Easter tide. Lent yep. is in the past. Mm-hmm. How have you changed? Uh, okay, so ho, oh, hey Easter, I can watch something. Uh, we watched. Um, there's a good series on, but of course, it's tense and it's dark. It's called Outer Range. It's on um, Prime. Josh Brolin, and it's set in, I believe. Wyoming. Uh, it's modern day. So it's like Yellowstone, but it's... It's modern day, and it's about a family. And, of course, what's it about? Murder. Uh-huh. Right? And some mystery. There's a mystery. There's a... There's a I'm not giving away. This is no spoiler alert. You'll see this in the first... There's a gigantic hole. 
somewhere on the ranch. And things happen around the gigantic hole and the family. So it's kind of like Dallas meets Lost. Christy, we might have to watch this. I like it. It's a good, and I love Josh Brolin. Do you know Josh Brolin? Yeah, sure. Oh, he's a fabulous actor. Very, very interesting guy. But again, I, last night we didn't watch anything. Yesterday I watched maybe 15 minutes of baseball. And that was enough. And you saw enough to see that Bednar is a total boss. Oh, he's a... Oh, that's, <laughs> Isn't he great? I love baseball. And, of course, the Pens are going to start their playoffs here. Let's hope they go deep into the playoffs. So, I mean, sports to me are like, you know, the panacea for anything that's dark and ugly. Of course, right. you could say that about the Pirates, but, you know, that's where we are. Yeah. Well, okay. So, let's sum it up then. Your experience giving up TV... Um, is it going to be something that's lasting? Is it, what are the conclusions that you've drawn? I don't know if it's going to be lasting, but it has been the experience of stepping away has been far more positive and it's been a heck of a lot easier than I first imagined. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. It wasn't a sacrifice. It was a massive blessing to me. It was an ease. It was as if I was taking off something that was uh, inhibiting my movement, whether it was my spiritual movement, my psychological movement. It was a freeing experience. So I think, why would I want to go back into that thing again? Why do I want to invite more chaos, more you know, angst, more darkness into my life when I don't need that? What I like to have more is peace. And I think I found that in giving up television over Lent. All right. It's a good story, John. I don't know. It's not like, you know, it's not like some grand spiritual quest that I went on. No, but it's it's one person's story of just making a change. Right. I'm know. proud of you for doing it. Thank you. Especially because Christy and I are nuts and we're always talking about shows and we have to leave the room when you come in. Well, yeah, of course. I walked in the room the other day and you were like, we have to leave. Like you ran away from me. And I was like, am I getting well, yeah, like the old man Because we, we're hoping you watch the show and we can't give even one iota of it away because the Severance. discovery is the beauty. Severance. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have watched two episodes of it. You've watched two episodes mm -hmm. and then you stopped? Mm -hmm. How did you stop? Because it's weirdly confusing. You what? You keep going. What? Are they, oh, I go to work and I forget. Then I come back home and I forget. I mean. It gets so much just, better. It's like The Office. You have to watch more than the first season. So you oh have to gosh, watch more so, than the first two episodes. Here's it's a problem. So See, look, the, the problem with streaming is, and the beauty of movies is, you're working within a time frame of 90 minutes or maximum 120 minutes. It forces the writers to be concise. The ideas are very, very compact. Nine episodes, 18 episodes, there's all this room, all this excess. It's bad storytelling. No, I don't yes, think it is. Yes, it is. It's bad no, storytelling. I don't think there's any, Christy, tell, weigh in on this with the last minute before we go to break. I don't feel like there's anything extra in Severance. Of all the shows I've watched, maybe ever, to me, there's just there, everything matters in it. Really? Absolutely everything. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is really. It is really tight. Um, ben Stiller has just done such a terrific job. There's just there's so much that speaks to our current time.
I mean, it's just uh, highly recommend it. All right. But, John, you stay with listening to your music and reading your books because I salute you as well. Because that does make sense. It does make sense. It does make sense. All right. We're going to step away. When we come back, sounds like my husband is on the cutting edge because shaved heads have people buzzing. Before Bamboo HR, (laughs) I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via paper, and we literally had paper stacked. It was all in spreadsheets and, like, folders. From the moment I started using it, I felt calmer. As soon as we started using the Bamboo, like, onboarding checklist, I mean, (laughs) it was extremely easy. Headcount, turnover, uh, years of service. Like, there's just so many different reports that I use at different points in time. I'm, like, totally set free to focus on the people to focus on development, to focus on team dynamics. It's freeing me up to do more of the stuff that actually matters in HR, which is interacting with people, learning from them, and then building stuff for them. Everything is in this one place. I can't even imagine what it would be like without Bamboo HR. We're Bamboo HR, and we'd love to set you free to do great work. Come try our award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com slash HR for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Theological Seminary, offering generous financial aid, prepares students for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and certificate programs designed for students called as leaders of the church and our neighborhoods. Apply now for fall. Visit pts.edu. The Bible says that in the end there would be perilous times. And as you take a look at the world that we live in today, economic inflation, gas prices are on the rise, COVID-19 is still looming in the darkness, and the possibilities of a World War III What do you do in these moments? Aren't you glad to know that Jesus Christ has a word just for you? And I believe Cornerstone is that voice in this season and that God has hewn out a rock of hope in this season of despair, which is why I want you to join us April 25th to the 29th for our Hope Arising fundraiser. It is going to be a powerful time of prophetic insight, revelation that is going to break you through every line of the devil's defense. We have great guests, Coy Barker, Joshua Giles, Randy Kay, and yours truly. I want you to mark your calendar April 25th to the 29th at 8 p.m. Watch Hope Arising on Cornerstone Television. Xfinity Channel 805, Verizon 505. April is National Donate Life Month. The need for organ donors is staggering. You can make a difference in the lives of others through faith and by signing up as an organ donor. Learn more and sign up at organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. We are uh, well removed from the the Oscars with the... uh, Slap and the uh, all that. I mean, what a crazy mess that was. But anyway, so Jada Pinkett Smith with her shaved head apparently was the fulcrum that put all this in place. 
Now, to be honest, when I'm, I'm watching the Oscars and I saw Jada Pinkett Smith, who I did not know, I don't know who I don't know who she was, but I saw her with Will, Will Smith. I assumed that you know that was Will Smith's wife. And the weird thing was, when Will Smith was on the red carpet, they didn't say "Hey, Will" and "Hey, Jada." They just talked to Will, like as though Jada Pinkett Smith was like a purse, an accessory or something. It was a very weird. Ex- My wife and I both commented on that. Anyway. You saw Jada Pinkett Smith on the red carpet, and I, my first thought was, what a beautiful-looking woman. And it was yes. really interesting because of her shaved head. Now, occasionally you do see women with shaved heads. What's uh, what's the Irish singer? Sinead um, O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor with the shaved head, right? I mean, that was 30 years ago. So there's a big thing now, which is kind of like copycat fashion, where young women are saying, yeah, I saw that shaved head, and I think I would look good with a shaved head. So my question to you, Kath, and to Christy is, would you ever consider shaving your heads? Thank you for asking, John. Hmm. Unless it was for some uh, medically induced purpose, I would say uh, I'm kind of attached to hair. Christy? I'm with Kath. Okay. You would not? Not not. even as a... a fashion statement. No, like because these... here's the thing. I think you have to have a certain... Head. At... <laughs> well, for sure. A certain attitude to make that, to pull that off. You, you know think... what I mean? Yeah. You have to be a little bit, like, I don't care about you, a little bit in your face. You have to have a little bit of the anti-establishment thing happening. Mm-hmm. And I just would look like such a poser. A poser? Really? I never thought of a poser. Christy, oh. what's your reasoning behind all that? I just feel like I would look bad. You would look bad. <laughs> like, if we're being honest, that's just <laughs> why I wouldn't do it. it. Wouldn't that be a worry? Like, what if you did it and you were like, oh, that was a mistake? And then, like, you're kind of stuck. Right. I'm trying to well, get a right? man. I got to have exactly. all my hair. <laughs> Christy Stockdale, live at 4 o'clock, trying to get a man. She needs to use all her feminine wiles. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe you meet a bald guy, and he goes, hey, woman right. of my dreams. Maybe. Huh? Okay, so you mentioned Jada Pinkett-Smith, who I I agree looked absolutely beautiful. beautiful that night. It's ironic that it ended up to be such a – Oh, my uh, gosh. A like, train wreck. A situation. Um, but there's an article in uh, New York Times from last week about head shaving. Yep. And the pictures that you see there, John, how do you feel like those women look? Um, I think – I think some of them are beautiful. I th- now this is going to sound a little, well, you can tell me what you think of it. I feel like women from a- who have some African descent are much more beautiful with a shaved head than maybe a white woman would be. I I guess that's all you feel individual, like that's harsh, right? Or like I don't, I don't mean to diss white women. I, no, I no. One, but I, I, I just I feel like there's something about you have to have a certain degree of dramatic bone structure. Mm-hmm. High cheekbones would be nice, right? Yeah, to make it really happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of us here in America are just very genetically like amalgamated. You know what I mean? And so we're kind of soft and whatever. Right. And so I think maybe you know, like me trying to pull that off would be a shame. Well, one thing I do see, which I always love, is like you see someone who has cancer, and so they they lose their hair, and then their friends rally around and I say, "We're that. all we're all going to shave our I heads," and you know, and there's that community, and you go, I love "Look that. at you guys!" Yes, as a group, you look fabulous, yep. right? Yep. And so that's a really cool thing. What about shaving a part of your hair, Christy? 
Still what, wouldn't like do it. Like the undercut? Yeah. Yep. Still wouldn't oh, do it. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. What do you think about that, John? I like that. I, I was at a, a thing at church not that long ago, and there was a couple dressed very similar, a, a, a man and a woman, and they both had on the side of their heads super shaved. It looked very cool. See, there you go. Anyway, let's try it. Tomorrow, we're going to come up with shaved heads. It's on the ride home. <laughs> I'm not doing it. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.